You're listening to the JTD Coaches Me podcast with your host, Joanne Tierney Daniels. Tune in as Joanne chronicles her journey from imposter to empowerment. Joanne discusses real life with real people. You'll be captivated by her guests and their stories. Regardless of whether you leave laughing or crying, one thing is certain. Each episode will make you think about life from a different perspective. Listen in and join the journey as Joanne and her guests explore the best strategies to promote personal growth, find your authentic self, and live your best life. Hi, I'm Joanne Tierney Daniels, a health mindset and wellness coach and the host of the JTD Coaches Me podcast. September 11, 2001 was a pivotal moment in our nation's history and had an impact across the globe. In honor and remembrance of the 9-11 victims, their families, and the first responders assigned to the wreckage and carnage following the September 11th attacks, I will be releasing several podcast episodes in August highlighting various individuals with intimate ties to the largest terrorist attack on U.S. soil. As a New Yorker, the attacks on the World Trade Center had a deep impact on me. At the time, I worked for the government in a criminal justice agency. I distinctly remember the phone on my desk ringing at approximately 8.55 a.m. It was my husband. He was working in New York City that day and called to tell me that a small commuter plane hit the North Tower of the World Trade Center. After we hung up, I told everyone else in the office about the plane crash. Of course, we all assumed it was just a tragic accident until 9.03 a.m. That's when flight 175 crashed into the South Tower. 9.03 a.m. was also the moment that fear struck the heart of America. As the morning unfolded, more details emerged, but the uncertainty of what might still be coming was enormous. I worked in a tower building in Albany. American Airlines Flight 11 flew above Albany at 8.26 a.m. on its way to New York City. Air traffic controllers received the first warnings that something was amiss as the plane approached Albany airspace. By 11 a.m., we were told to evacuate and sent home. As I drove home, I remembered that I was scheduled to be at the World Trade Center that morning, but fate stepped in and my meeting was canceled. Like most Americans, I cried for the next three days and was glued to my TV for weeks. I was captivated by anger, worry, hope, and wonder. I was angry about the callous disregard for human life, worried about what was to come, hoping that more victims would be found alive, and wondering how their families would survive such a tremendous amount of pain and loss. I've never stopped thinking about and praying for the 9-11 families. Today, my guest is Peyton Lynch. Peyton shared my wonder about the 9-11 families and decided to write a book, Rise from the Ashes, about the surviving children of 9-11. Peyton has the inside scoop because her husband, John, lost his father, Robert Henry Lynch Jr., in the South Tower. Please join me in welcoming Peyton to the conversation. Hi, Peyton. Hi, Joanne. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for being here. Please introduce yourself and tell the listeners more about you. Sure, everyone. Well, hello, my name is Peyton Lynch, um, and I am the wife of a 9-11, we call them surviving children, and that's someone who did lose a parent in uh, the September 11th attacks. And while that is an important piece of who I am, there are so many other things that make up who I am, and I am the oldest of five kids. I always share that because I think birth order is so fascinating, and it says a lot about who I am, a type A personality. I am also currently based in Orlando, Florida, where I work as a product manager for the Walt Disney Company. And so you're probably wondering like, okay, what is working for Disney? She already has a full-time job. Why is she writing a book? But there's something about the Walt Disney Company and storytelling been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. And so 
I knew that writing this book was something that was on my heart because of my closest closeness to the story. And so I'm really excited to be able to chat about it here with you today. Great. And of course, everybody's probably going to want a second interview on Disney, the inside scoop behind Disney. So we'll have to put that on the back burner. So you're originally from Pennsylvania and you were only a young girl on September 11th. You've said previously that there was little direct impact on your community while you were growing up, but certainly you knew about it and its magnitude. Tell me how and when your husband told you about his father and how you felt about it at the time. Sure. So you're exactly right. I, I was in second grade at the time. And so I, and even though I was only two hours from the city, I was have never actually taken to the city before 9-11. And the first time I went was actually my, my dad drove us up to the border of New Jersey. You couldn't get into the city at that time because it was only a few days or a week or so after the attacks. And the first time I saw the city, the city skyline was with the burning of the towers. And so I will never forget that as an American. But again, yeah, there was just no personal connection, right? An American, like I understand the importance of this and the history of this, but no personal connection until I, I met my husband because he also grew up in Pennsylvania. I had no idea that this was a part of his story. I didn't know anybody who was impacted personally. And we started dating in the summer of 2013. And I remember it was September 11th of that year. And he wanted to take me out on a date. And obviously I knew it was September 11th, but I didn't think anything exciting was going to happen on this date other than a, just a normal date. And we sat down and he went and told me, he just started to spill this whole story um, about how his dad was killed in 9-11. And I just, I, I, rem I just remember looking at him and thinking in my head, like this person is so kind, so nice. I know I'm biased, but I really think he's great. And this horrible thing happened to him. And I just thought if this were me, I would not be fine. I would not be as kind as he is. And I knew in that minute there was something different about him for that experience that it didn't define him, but there's certainly something there. I think since then, you know, this book and this discovery work that I've been doing has been laying dormant since that very moment. Wow. September 11th has a life of its own in our history and culture. Marrying John came with added responsibilities. Of course, you have an intimate responsibility to support your spouse like we all do, but there are also public expectations. There are anniversaries and media and memorials every year. How have those demands factored into your relationship and your daily life? You know, it was something I totally thought at that first day. I was like, what kind of baggage am I walking into? And like, that's a totally selfish thought, but it's it's true. Like that is a lot to manage. And you're right. 9-11 is something that never really goes away. I can't tell you the amount of times in normal conversation, 9-11 is mentioned. And the amount of times my husband has to decide, am I going to go there with these, these people in this context, in this conversation? Or, you know, am I going to compartmentalize 9-11, the event from like 9-11, I lost my, my father. I think the most poignant moment of, the, of that is when we've been at the memorial. Now, there is a, a separate section that we can go as family members. And so we were just whisked into the memorial in New York City. There's these giant pools where the towers once stood. And I'll have all the names of those who were lost that day. And so... This is a tradition for my husband. You can go, you can get an etching done and, they, and you go and you trace the name. And the first time I went with him, I felt so out of sorts because 
I've been to other museums of places where something significant happened and felt like what that feels like to want to be there to understand the history, but to have been there with somebody whose parent was killed right there. I mean, we are standing in a burial ground, essentially. Um, and it is the only place where they can go and actually visit him. And it's on public display. And so I'm always sort of teetering between this on this like tightrope of I see other people watching us, watching us have this experience and then like realizing that we're there because we know somebody who was lost that day and still some are taking selfies. Like it's a very bizarre experience to sit in the middle and then to also think where, where can I preserve things for my husband and protect, right? I, I want to learn more about this, but I also know I can't leave every single interview I do with 9-11 surviving children and just warm vomit everything that they told me to my husband, because that could potentially be pretty traumatic to him. And so it's, I've been walking a pretty fine line here for quite some time. And it's a very powerful place on, on any day. I can't imagine the enhanced magnitude of that day when you're a survivor and you're standing there because it's very, it's very moving. I've been there myself several times and it's very moving just as, as an individual. And you made a great point there. Sometimes a spouse's needs can get lost when their partner's trauma seem more noteworthy than your own. And 9-11 is certainly the most significant trauma of our lifetimes to date. You know, as a mindset coach, I often see this struggle. Everyone has their own traumas and none of them should be minimized. I mean, we've talked about your challenges before. And as you know, I face similar issues before I was blessed with my three amazing sons, but they were extremely difficult years for me. You said that you felt like a shell of who you used to be. How did the residual effects of John's loss affect you personally? Yeah. So you just nailed it on the head when you said that um, others sometimes feel like they have to become smaller or that their challenges are less important. And I have felt that for a long time that, um, you know, we're currently struggling with infertility. And I have often said to myself, Peyton, you can't complain because he lost his dad and look like he's fine, you know, fine, whatever that means. And that isn't the case. There is space for all of our feelings on it. But I think the one thing my husband has shown me and the biggest reason I wanted to write the book is that he understands that things are going to be okay, that this isn't the, ever, the end of our story. It may not be how we wanted it written, but it's not the, it's just, just one chapter. And he's able to have that mindset because unfortunately he went through something really tough already. And I, I don't know what it is. I, I was very lucky in my childhood to not have gone through something traumatic. And, and my infertility is probably the biggest first like bad thing that's happened in my life. And so I have to give myself a little bit of grace too, that, you know, I haven't had 20 years to process this and that grief isn't a straight line. I'm still in the middle of it, but you know what? It isn't the end and we're going to be able to see our way through it as well. And I wish you well. That's a difficult road. I traveled it myself and I want to let you know that there's certainly hope. I believe that this is going to come to fruition for you. I love your mindset. I spoke to someone yesterday actually, and, and she's a cancer survivor and she had some very, very dark days. And, and she said, anytime that those moments came to her, 
she reminded herself that she had already been through so much. And she said, I am, I am capable of doing hard things. And when you were speaking about that, she actually made it into a sticker. And you were thinking, when you were speaking about your husband, I thought to myself, that's exactly what he's probably thinking, or, or that's really what probably shaped his personality that he has been through hard things. So, you know, and, and he's come out on the other side and that's a symbol of his resiliency. And, and it seems to be, that's probably why you're attracted to one another. You both have that quality. The last time we spoke, you said that at one point you realized you were part of a bigger legacy. Explain what you meant by that. I think before I met John, I didn't realize the ways that we're impacted by the things that happen around us. And so I, I mean, I lost my father-in-law. This is someone I will never meet and that my future children will never meet. And so that is, that is a part of something so much bigger. And I think there are so many ripple effects of 9-11 that we don't even realize are ripple effects of 9-11. And yet they are, I mean, I think a pebble was dropped that day. Right. And like, there's now all these implications that we see. I mean, even in this past year, how many times I've heard post 9-11 world versus like post COVID world, the comparisons there. And I just, I hope what I, what I hope most from what I have learned and what I hope to share of what I've learned from 9-11 surviving children is that this, yes, something absolutely traumatic happened to these people. Even if we don't lose our parents in 9-11, it doesn't mean we can't access the tools that they've had to become resilient. And that's the the common bridge, right? That we've all been through something. Look at the past year alone. But how can we use this time and and move forward from it? And so that's what I'm really excited. I hope there's a, a movement here after this past year where we say, you know, we're not our circumstances. We're not victims. We're victors. And we really embrace that. And I believe that probably will happen, but it'll be short term. It's similar to after September 11th, where we were unified and united and moving forward with a common feeling of patriotism and and adoration for one another and compassion and all of those things, you know, I expect post COVID, you know, will that will revert back to, back to uh, complacency, you know, I mean, they are. And, and to your point too, around the sticker, I love that idea. I feel like we need a, a, a quote stickered out for me to look at because it is, it's repetitive thinking that leads us in a certain direction. And I have suffered from spiraling repetitive negative thoughts for so long. And, you know, it is hard to replace those. You have to really work at it. But to your point, if we remain complacent, we'll keep going back to those old patterns. That's true. And, and that's really the whole strategy behind changing your mindset, changing your internal dialogue. And it's not as easy as just saying an affirmation in the morning. You're exactly right. It takes a lot of work. I mean, growth and evolution take work. Now let's talk more about the book. Tell us what, what it's about, where the idea came from and how, and the process of how it came to be. So as I mentioned over this past year, I mean, who hasn't been through something Uh, And as we were struggling with infertility, I, at first I was really angry with my husband because he just, I was like, he's handling it better than me. It wasn't that he's not sad. It's not that he's not experiencing this as well. It's just, again, he has seen the other side of tragedy before he sees how we can get over this. And so instead of continuing to get mad and wanting him to be angry with me, I said, well, maybe there's something I could learn from this. 
And then I reached out to one of his brothers. He's one of five as well. So uh, five siblings who all lost their father that day. I started hearing the same patterns of behavior and resiliency from him. And I thought, I think there's something here. I think there's a narrative from 9-11 surviving children that we haven't captured before because we have spoken to 9-11 surviving children in the media and things like that over the years, but we haven't really seen their arc and how far they've come. And after 20 years, that's quite some time. I mean, that's almost a lifetime for, for people. And so I reached out to the organization called Tuesday's Children, which was extremely supportive of my husband and his family in the years following 9-11. And they still exist to support families who encounter war violence. I just said, I have this project on my heart. I don't know where it's going, but do you think there's uh, 9-11 surviving children who would be willing to speak with me? And they heard my heart for this. They sent out a big notification to all of their, everyone in their database. And I heard from about 20 or so 9-11 surviving children who wanted to share their stories for this project. While I knew it would be challenging to listen to all of these, I didn't even imagine how beneficial they'd be to me in my own journey and just humbling to hear them talk about what they remember from that day. Because for some of them, I mean, even my own brother-in-law, he was not even a year old. And so doesn't have a pre 9-11 concept for him. It's just always post 9-11, post his father versus my husband who was 13 at the time. So there is this great span of different, differing experiences, but yet these commonalities between their resilience there's this, this, there's, there is a spiritual aspect for many of them of how do I honor my parent today, as well as gratitude. I mean, many of them have made that a, an ongoing practice to your point. It's more than just saying a mantra uh, in the morning, looking at yourself in the mirror. And they've really put these practices into play, which have taught me a lot about how I can better go through my grief journey. I envision myself wanting to grieve privately. I mean, was it difficult for them to talk about their parents? At some point, does the media intrusion become too much for these families? You know, it's it's a great question. And it's something that I struggled with as I'm pulling together these stories of, am I doing more harm than I am good in telling these stories? And I actually sat down with, her name is Kay. She's a, a licensed counselor out in California. And she had mentioned when folks go through trauma, yes, it can be challenging and traumatic to have to replay those stories. But what she shared that really inspired me was that when they're able to find the purpose in resharing, it outweighs that feeling of, oh, no, I got to drudge this up again or, or that traumatic experience. What I found in, in speaking with 9-11 surviving children is they know that I'm personally connected to this. I'm not just another reporter out here trying to get a story about 9-11. In fact, our interviews are so conversational because there's so many moments where I'm like, yes, like you get that. I've seen my husband experience that. Like, And to be able to have a candid conversation with someone who has lived or at least experienced part of what you've experienced has been extremely beneficial, I, I believe, for both parties. And it has seemed that way in the conversations that I've had. 
I imagine some of those stories were very emotional, if not all. How do they impact you personally? And and talk talk about your emotional journey. You've spoken about several people and uh, from from the book, and it seems as if your heart would certainly be touched, but it must have been heart wrenching many times. Yeah, it all of them are touching. And then there's just some that you're like, how is this person telling me this, that this is their experience? I, I can't even fathom. Right. And it comes from this place of really, I just the my my heart just breaks for these people. And there are many times where I do. I have to just sit in this room for like five to 10 minutes after each interview and just go somewhere in my mind that isn't here because it is really tough. I was just speaking with someone who shared that they have a really strong addiction to watching uh, actual footage of 9-11. And they started sharing names of filmmakers who captured, you know, some part of 9-11 from that day. I almost went to go write down the names of those filmmakers. And I had to stop myself because I have preserved myself from continuing on to watch anything like that, because I know that it can be traumatic for me. And I mean, second hand post-traumatic stress disorder is very real. And I didn't believe that that could happen for me that, right. I'm just like, you know, some omniscient person who's like looking in at these stories, but it's not the case. I mean, we can very much be impacted just from hearing these stories. So there's been a lot of self-preservation as well as thoughtfulness about what I share with John um, about what I hear. Uh, I I don't even know if he'll read the whole book, um, to be honest, because it can be so painful for people who've lived it. Agreed. And I think that that, that's a personal journey. You're giving them a resource to utilize and maybe it'll take someone 20 years to read the book, but it's really a great legacy even for these children's children. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so important. And you've spoken about how a portion of the book proceeds will be donated to Tuesday's children. And you spoke about them a little bit. Tell us more about that organization. How did it help John's family and how does it help how does it help families across the globe? And not just in relationship to 9-11. I want to give them a little shout out and give them their due here too, because I'm so inspired by their work. Absolutely. So as you can imagine, this organization was, you know, hands on ground right after 9-11. And so my husband's been a part of many events where they were putting together supplies for those who lost parents. I mean, there are some uh, children who were orphans after 9-11. And so they needed access to pillows, clothing, blankets, like there were things that were very much in need that Tuesday's children uh, were able to secure. And now 20 years later, they are helping these folks find jobs. They have webinars all the time for polishing up your resume or your LinkedIn or getting you connected with people. A really big program they have running right now is a mentorship program where you can, so it's whether it's someone on the board who was or was not impacted by 9-11 or was impacted by war violence or just is touched by this, you know, you know, their mission. And they'll get you connected with someone who can help speak life into you. Uh, and even for my husband now, I mean, when he was laid off due to COVID, he started to access some of these resources as he was looking to, how do I go out into the world now after, after being laid off? And Luckily, he's just been called back to work for 12 days of being out of work, but who's counting? <laughs> but to know that, you know, you have a group of people who who get it, who have been here since the beginning, and then to have opportunities to now give back 
I think that's been a pretty uh, big piece that has helped give 9-11 surviving children peace of mind when working with organizations like Tuesday's Children, knowing that, hey, you know, I had to go through this really hard thing, but now these children are going through this really hard thing. And so I can help them through what I've been through. That's very powerful. Now, did we miss anything? I don't want to give away the whole book because of course I want people to buy it. I want you to tell us how we can get the book. I know it's not out yet. So I want to talk about how we can get the book and if we missed anything and how people can reach out to you directly. I think we've got the highlights and yeah, it's something I'm excited to share with everybody because it's impacted me so much over the past year. We had our pre-sale campaign and already we were able to donate $4,000 to Tuesday's Children because people just came out and uh, donated to that campaign. So thank you to everybody who was a part of that. And then uh, the last week of August uh, in 2021, the book paperback book will be available on Amazon Uh, for all of you. So I'll be excited to share more details as they become available. Perfect. So I can't thank you enough. It's been such a pleasure meeting you, not only because I'm inspired by you, but now I have a hook down in Disney. I was just looking at my Disney points this morning. So we're going to get to meet each other very soon. I appreciate your time and I wish you all the best of luck with the book. I know it's going to be a raging success. My pleasure, Joanne. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the JTD Coaches Me podcast. You can find additional resources and information about Joanne at jtdcoachesme.com. Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast for updates and new episodes. You can also follow Joanne on social media under JTD Coaches Me. 